0: Good morning and welcome again to Words of Hope. I'm Mark Yoder, grateful again for this opportunity to spend some time here with you this morning. People have been asking me, what's your purpose, Mark, in these talks? Who do you want to reach? What do you really want to say? And I've been saying, first of all, my message is a simple message, that Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I want to share that creatively, out of personal stories and experiences, Because I believe with all my heart that if you miss Jesus, you miss everything. And if you find Jesus, then you indeed have found everything you need. I've sometimes said knowing Jesus and his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace is like having millions in the bank. You don't sweat the little things. car breakdowns, the rent, the bill collectors, because there's so much reserve. And I believe for the people that really know Jesus, know his forgiveness, know his grace, life becomes a bit of that, where the, the hard, deep things of life become so much less stressful, because the most important thing is taken care of. So that... Is deep in my heart to share that message again and again and share it creatively so people can understand what it is we're really saying as Christians that life's not about getting everything right but about being forgiven and coming into relationship with Jesus there's another reason though that I want to share in this way with people and that is I feel so many misrepresent jesus in the name of christianity recently i was on a trip to uh, i was in on my way to fenwick island and i happened to tune in to a radio program and they were reading uh scriptures that were precious to me from revelation it, to me it's a story of how god is in control and he's mighty but the way they read those things it almost felt like they were angry and and sometimes it feels like Christians are miserable trying to tell everybody else they also need to be miserable and unhappy, but that is not our message. We have great news. It feels sometimes like people have taken over the, the real message of Christianity. They've watered it down. They've made it something that it's not at all. And so part of my goal is to say, here's what the real message is. When I was a young pastor back in 1985, I moved to Ohio and I wanted to become involved in the local um, pastoral group that would meet, I think, at least once a month, maybe more than that. But as I would go there to those meetings, many times my heart would be grieved. These men that were pastors of churches were often um, sharing inappropriate stories, and, and sometimes uh, many of them were divorced and remarried and family lives were a mess. And and I believe there's grace for that. I'm not trying to be hard on people that, that have gone through some of those heartaches. God still loves you. He still wants to redeem it. But I remember one day asking this old Methodist pastor, he was in his 90s and 85, so he would have been born before 1900. And I remember asking him one day, I said, how many of your professors when you were in seminary still believed the foundational truths of the scriptures, that the Bible is God's inspired word, that the miracles are true, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he died on the cross, that he rose again, that he's in heaven interceding for us? This old gentleman, and he was very witty and educated and and likable in many ways, but he he pondered that question a little bit, and he said, I think we may have had one old professor that still believed like that. And I remember I said to him, why didn't you start your own religion? Why did you take Christianity and the story of Jesus and water it down until it means nothing? And I'm not picking on a denomination, or but... There is a, to me, heartache when this message of the gospel, this story of Jesus is so watered down that people don't even know what it is that we're trying to proclaim. And so that's one of the things that's in my heart as we share, that we can share the true story of Jesus. And then there's another thing, and that is, it seems many times um, in sharing the gospel, Christians often communicate dislike instead of love one of the things i and this is a word for those of you who are believers today that one of the things that we must remember is god loved us before we loved him and as i've shared here before he commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners christ died for us and so my appeal goes out too that we learn to truly love people not just feel like we've got to change them i had a friend that i grew up with we were in the same class at the greenwood mennonite school and shared 10 years back in those days the school only had 10 grades uh, and by the way i think it's still a very good school still there in greenwood the greenwood mennonite school but anyway we had shared many great experiences together over the years and she was a delightful person, but later in life she, for whatever reason, uh, came out at a very different place on this faith journey. After we had reconnected and, and were sharing back and forth, I, one day she said to me, Mark, don't make me a project, just learn to love me and appreciate me for who I am. And I felt like it was one of the most important words that I ever heard that we can love people long before they're in agreement with where we are. So that's also one of my reasons for having these talks is I don't, I want to communicate the gospel in a way that reflects acceptance and love without compromising this message that we believe is so important.
1: Hold it all together. Everybody needs you strong. Life hits you out of nowhere and barely leaves you holding on And when you're tired of fighting Chained by your control There's freedom in surrender Lay it down and let it go So when you're on your knees and answers seem so far away You're not alone, stop holding on and just be held. The world's not falling apart, it's falling into place I'm on the throne, stop holding on and just be held Just be held Just be held, just be held. If you rise around on a storm, you wonder if a love is still All the thrones stop Falling apart, it's falling into place. I'm all the wrong, stop.
0: So ago I was on a mission trip and uh, headed I think to India on this particular trip and I try whenever I'm traveling like that to be especially attentive to opportunities to share the gospel and when I get ready to get on the airplane I often pray and ask God to lead me to just the right person. Well on this particular flight I think it was from Baltimore to uh, JFK I sat beside an atheist the, a lady that I believe it was a divine appointment from God. And we had just a delightful conversation, obviously disagreed on many things, but uh, fun. And I, in in the spirit of what I just shared of learning to love people before they agreed with me, I could really respect and appreciate so many things about this lady. And as we were about to Land there at the airport, she gave me a big smile. She said, Mark, this has been so much fun. You're my new best friend. And I laughed at her a little bit and said, You just didn't expect that, talking to a conservative Mennonite Bible believing preacher. And she said, No, but you didn't expect to enjoy talking to an atheist. And I kind of laughed. I said, I think I had more hope than you did. But there, as we were landing, during the course of our conversation, I was telling her about my life and about the many, many blessings that I experienced. I said, it's not just that I've embraced Jesus for forgiveness and an eternal life, but I have an incredible life. I've been married to an incredible woman. We still enjoy life together after 39 years i have 6 children and we have incredible relationships i've never known rebellion or dis, or tension in terms of how they've treated us five of my children are married in delightful marriages and we have 18 grandchildren we have one grandchild that passed away at 16 months in a story i may share sometime so it's not that we haven't had heartache but we've had just an amazing journey and and then I said, you know, Mennonites are known for their food. And so we I get great food. In fact, if you were to see me, you could see evidence of that. And then we travel. I get to travel. I get I I feel like I know some of the neatest people in the world, all over the world, because of where God has taken me on my mission trips and things like that. And so I was just telling her, What a great life I get to live. And as we were landing there, she says, Just just let you know, I also have a really good life. And I my significant other is a good cook. So we have good food. We have good relationships with our nieces and nephews. And we get to travel. So don't think you have anything on me. And I said, yeah, well, you know what? I really respected you and appreciate the things you're doing. But at the end of the day... In addition to all this really good living I have the eternal the certainty that the best is yet to come and I know where I'm going and and no fear and she said she tried to correct me she said you think you know that and I said well I feel like I do know that without meaning to be arrogant about it but what about you what if you're wrong and what if you discover that you have missed the most important thing for all of eternity. And she paused a bit. She said, well, yeah, that is something to think about. And the truth is that many people are trying to find meaning and fulfillment and happiness in temporary things. Um, In a recent conversation not so long ago, I was had a conversation with my children and i was saying you know i appreciate so much that you've embraced this faith in jesus that your lives reflect so well your commitment and how you are um, walking out this faith journey but i'm curious i said what what if someone asked you what is it that has caused you to be people of faith and my one son said, well, dad, in a very difficult time, I encountered Jesus and he changed my life. And now I'm on a journey of relationship with him. And, um, one of my other daughters said, I've watched friends who are trying to find fulfillment in sex and parties and movies and just having a good time. And it almost always catches up with them and they're, it, it becomes uh, a cycle that eventually is so unsatisfying. I don't want that for my life. And one of my daughters said, well, Dad, you have done a very good job of making home a wonderful place. You've loved our mom. We have fun. We like to come home. So why wouldn't we want to follow this journey? Of course, she got the the uh, extra tip that day. But <laughs> Uh, the, but the truth is, then I said to to my children, I said, "What would it be that would take you? What what would cause you to walk away from Jesus?" And one of my daughters said, "Dad, if I found out that you were unfaithful to mom, you had an issue with pornography, you dishonest in your business dealings, and your private life was entirely different than what you." put on the surface i i i don't know if i could take that and my heart kind of sunk and i said you know that some children have had to face that kind of thing in a parent my daughter said well maybe i could hang on to jesus dad but i would not want to come to your church anymore now i'm sharing those that story those stories because this to me one of the most needed things in our world today is to know that Christianity's real changes lives, that people are genuine, people are authentic. You constantly hear people saying talking about hypocrites and there's no godly people and you know they're just pretenders. But I want you to know that when Jesus changes a life, he doesn't just um give you a bunch of theories and a bunch of ideas, but he comes and he makes you a new creature and things are different. And the invitation to Jesus and to come to Jesus for forgiveness is not just a fire escape, a way to have some eternal hope it is for here and now to change our lives, to make us different people. And, and I feel like sometimes I need to get on a mountain, a housetop and shout, All over this world, God is changing lives. He's doing amazing things. And the invitation today is to come to Jesus for a new life and for a changed life. And the promise is there, whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. As I think during the week about sharing these talks, I often wonder who's going to be listening and what kind of person will be in the audience. And if you're a person who has had incredible success in many, many ways, financially, um, hold a significant place in society and are respected and honored, I'd like for you to just listen to this next story. A few years back, I'm not even sure how long it was. It's been a while. I was, again, on the airplane, and as I mentioned earlier, I often ask God to just lead me to the right person, who that that when I sit with someone... That we can have a spiritual conversation and i think partly just by being attentive to that i've had some really interesting discussions over the years but anyway I was sitting there and this guy comes down the aisle and i when i looked at him um i thought well surely this won't be the guy that god puts next to me he had that kind of air that he was better than the rest of us he had <clears throat> from his um, clothes that he wore, to his haircut, to the smell of his cologne. He just had that appearance of a guy who thought he was a little bit better than us. And I don't know why it affected me like it did, but the scripture says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I just thought, well, this probably isn't the person, but wouldn't you know, he sat down right beside me. So I began to think how how can i share with this guy and he during our conversation he began to to say tell me a story he said i'm going back to work he said he was in his mid 60s he said um i have a house in new england a house in new jersey a house in florida and i have had a very successful business and i'd retired but he said i got to go back to work now because He had invested in $3 million in something that was a bit like the Madoff scam. And he said it was in California, pretty well known there. And he had lost $3 million, and so he had to go back to work. And uh, he was a consultant, went around to different companies to help problem solve. And for some reason that day, I had left a little of my diplomacy and attempt to be real gracious kind of at the door. I said to him, can I ask you a question? And he said, sure. And I said, you lost three million. You've had three houses. And I'm just curious, has there ever been a time in your life when you've given any money to spread the story of Jesus through the world? And he looked at me just a little, um, you know, he wasn't sure he understood my question. He thought a little bit, and finally said, "No." He said, "I don't think I've ever given a dollar to share the story of Jesus anywhere." And I said, "So what? What are you going to say to the Lord when you stand before Him and you've had, <clears throat> you've been entrusted with so much that you can maintain three houses and lose three million dollars, but never did anything to." tell the story of Jesus, or even care about your own spiritual life. And he kind of got quiet. He didn't say much for a little bit. And I said, could I ask you another question? How's your marriage? What's your relationship there? And he said, proceeded to tell me about the heartache. I think he was married maybe for the third time and the disappointments that he had had there. And then I said, let me ask you another question, or may I ask you another question? And I said... How how are things with your children? And again, he just kind of said, you know, right now my son is in a drug, alcohol and drug rehab, and um, my other son seems to be kind of getting things together, but it's really been tough. And I said to him, how are you going to deal with that when you stand before your maker and you have had time to be a successful businessman and time to do many things, go places, travel, have fun, but you missed the most important things. And it was quiet. We, we, we didn't say too much. Soon after that, we landed. I got off the airplane. I kind of wondered if I had been too hard on him. and I went over, was collecting my luggage. When a guy tapped me on the back and I turned around it was this man and he opened his arms he gave me a big hug and he said Mr. Yoder thank you so much for what you shared today because I needed it and I'm going to be a different man now I never exchanged numbers or contacts we've not been in contact with him since then but I think of him often and I think of him often from the standpoint of that there are so many people in a similar place maybe not the exact same place but where they have put great value on money and great value on position and great value and on things that they feel like uh will earn them happiness or bring them satisfaction but in the end they are bankrupt spiritually and down deep inside they know that there's a place in their life where they want so much more so in one way this is kind of still on the theme I started, what's my purpose for being on the air here and trying to share these stories? It's, I want to very kindly, very gently remind people that life is short, eternity is long, and we should be caring about what we do, how we live our lives. And, and, and just to casually dismiss the spiritual side of life to me is one of the great heartaches and sadness that I see in our world today.
2: There's a girl in the corner with tear stains on her eyes From the places she's wandered and the shame she can't hide She says, how did I get here? I'm not who I once was and I'm crippled by the fear that I've fallen too far to love. But don't you know who you are? What has been done for you? Yeah, don't you know who you are? You are more than the choices that you've made. You are more than the sum of your past mistakes. She tries to believe it That she's been given new life But she can't shake the feeling That it's not true tonight She knows all the answers And she's rehearsed all the lines And so she'll try to do better But then she's too weak to try Don't you know who you are? mistakes. You are more than the problems you create. You've been remade. You are more than the choices that you've made. You are more than the sum of your past mistakes. You are more than the problems you create. You've been remade.
0: I remember when I was young thinking you had to make a decision between having fun and serving Jesus Um, somehow I got the idea you couldn't do both you couldn't have fun and serve Jesus even the Bible said about Moses he um, gave up the pleasures of sin for a season and so I don't know where that thought had come to me but I remember um, we, in the church I grew up in, we would have some pretty um, intense revival meetings and my parents would warn me that you never know if you take time off from serving Jesus to have fun, you just might, something might happen. You might not survive. In fact, when I was about 12, I thought I was going to die through a sickness that I had and that kind of got my attention and I thought, oh, I'll make this big sacrifice and give my life to Jesus in quit worrying about having fun. And um, it seems silly. There's a lot more I could say about that. But over these years, I've come to realize that this journey with Jesus has been absolutely amazing and incredible. And it's been a lot of fun. I feel like sometimes I need to tell people just how good life is when you walk with him. I uh, never expected so many of the things that i've been able to enjoy just i i feel like they are just gifts beyond my wildest imaginations but some of my friends chose fun and many of those friends today are wondering when the fun's going to begin their life has been full of um a lot of heartache many times broken marriages and scattered children and even financial and health issues that say is this all there is If you're a young person today, or really at any stage of life today, I call you again to the things that are eternal. I call you again today to know that the message of Jesus is not a fairy tale. There's good historical reasons to believe that the Bible is true, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he died and he rose again, and that he is in heaven today interceding for you. And that life begins when you come into relationship with him. And I just mentioned it again. I've said it a few times. Many people say, how do you start that relationship with Jesus? And I often say to people, if you want to get married, you must say, I do. Otherwise, you're shacking up. You're not married. But if you do make that commitment, it changes your life. And that is how it is with Jesus. When you go to him, you take words to him and you say, Jesus, I'm yours. I need you. I want your forgiveness and grace. I ask you to make me your child and take me home to heaven when I die. He hears you. He answers that prayer. The Bible says that he that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we do teach that you must do that much. A free gift is not received. It's not yours until you reach out and take it. And so I hope these stories, these words today... um, are not discouraging in any way, but bring hope that there is something real happening in the, among the people of God all over this world. Next week, I want to share some stories. that, been a year ago now that I went to India, some just really neat and amazing things that happened there. I want to invite you to come back next week to Words of Hope on WBOC.